Lord, we are hungry for your word. Fill us with your spirit. Open our hearts. Open our minds for the message you have for us today. Amen. Well, today we begin a series of sermons on texts from the book of Hebrews. Recently, we've been focusing on the epistles. Those epistles can be a little tricky to find in the Bible, so uh, the first part of the New Testament is kind of easy to remember. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, followed by Acts. But then there are 21 letters before you get to Revelation. They're arranged by length, longest Romans, First and Second Corinthians, and so on. So I'll tell you, Hebrews comes after First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, and just before James, the book we spent the month of September in. And like I say, if you get Revelation, you've just gone too far. So, even though Hebrews is grouped with letters. It doesn't start like a typical New Testament letter. A typical letter would identify the writer and the target audience. You know, kind of like, I, Paul, a layman, called to preach to the saints of Berea Presbyterian Church, blah, blah, blah. But Hebrews, it's less like a letter and really more like a sermon. A sermon to a church whose batteries were running low and needed recharging. So listen now for God's word for us from the first four verses in that first chapter of Hebrews and a few more verses in the second chapter. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the world's. He is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. And he sustains all things by his powerful word. When he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the, of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Now jumping to the second chapter, fifth verse. Now God did not subject the coming world about which we are speaking to angels, but someone has testified somewhere. I'll tell you it's the eighth psalm. What are human beings that you are mindful of them or mortals that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels. You have crowned them with glory and honor, subjecting all things under their feet. Now in subjecting all things to them, God left nothing outside their control. As it is, we do not yet see everything in subjection to them. But we do see Jesus, who for a little while was made lower than the angels. Now crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death so that by grace, the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. It was fitting that God, or whom through, through whom all things exist, in bringing many children to glory, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one father 
For this reason, Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. This is the word of the Lord. O oh Lord, may our thoughts and may my words be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the three decades, more than 30 years that I worked as a psychologist, if I told you, or if you told me you were receiving messages from your appliances, I would have introduced you to our agency psychiatrist. Dr. Nicholas Pediatotakis. <laughs> For some further evaluation. And if you told me that something on your wrist sent you email, well, I might have asked the doc, you got strong enough medication for this or do we need to go over to Dorothea Dix? <laughs> but things have changed. And this little device on my wrist you may have one yourself. A Fitbit. It can and does send me emails once in a while. They all say pretty much the same thing. Your flex battery is low. Charge your battery as soon as possible. Then it, it goes on to explain how. Remove your tracker from the wristband, okay. Clean the contacts. There it is. For instructions, refer to our article online. Connect the charging cable to the available USB port on your computer. Slide your flex tracker into the charging cable so the LEDs face you. And that's it. Then there are five, when it's all charged up, five little lights go blinky blinky and you can, can take it off, put it back on, and see if you can count your steps. Now I'll tell you the secrets about the Fitbit. It counts when you wave around an arm, so I will drive. I might, I might walk a mile or two in this sermon. You know, <laughs> you never know. Well, faith can be kind of like that. Church can be kind of like that. Sometimes, sometimes our batteries get low, and we need to recharge them. Our faith doesn't send us an email, but it does send us signals, signals like feelings of doubt or frustration or ang anger. Feeling downhearted and when it gets time to go to church, getting what I had a client used to call it, that don't want to feeling. You ever get that? Church batteries can get low too. Again, not necessarily with an email reminder, but when we let puny excuses keep us out of the work and worship of the church or when we, we know what's troubling our hearts, but when folks at church say, how you doing? We say, fine, fine, everything's fine, <laughs> even when it's not. When we let selfishness creep in, when we stand up in church and say, as we'll do later, we believe in forgiveness of sins, but then we go around practicing more grudge-keeping than grace-sharing. When we figure, I've done my part, it's somebody else's turn to do for the church. I don't hear that much around here, but you do some places. When we do those things, 
our church batteries are getting low and they need recharging too. So how do we recharge our batteries, our faith batteries, our church's batteries? Well, let's take a hint from the Fitbit folks and see what they said. Remember they said, remove your tracker from the wristband. Okay, first you gotta stop running, you gotta stop walking, you gotta stand still. For faith that can mean kind of hitting the pause button in our busy lives, take a break away from all the distractions that seem to demand our immediate attention. What's that latest thing on Facebook? <laughs> oh, so many distractions. For the church, that can mean pausing to kind of take stock and ask questions about what we're doing and why we're doing them. There's a real fancy word for things that we put a lot of time and energy to that don't really matter. Adiaphora. Try working that in a sentence this week. Adiaphora. It's things that Scripture doesn't explicitly forbid or allow, for that matter. For example, the Bible does not say we should have church at 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. It does say we should gather together on a regular basis. And most of us were raised going to church at 11 o'clock Sunday morning. So we like that tradition. But there's nothing wrong with those other churches that hold worship some other times. I'm just saying we need to be clear about what's most important and what's not important. When I started here, one of the fellows said, oh, y'all are right down the road from the golf course. Could I wear my golf togs? And I said, yeah, but you gotta leave your cleats outside or you'll answer to the lady that takes care of this carpet. What you're wearing is not so important. It's that you're here that's important. Sociologists define a ritual as a behavior that once had a meaning, but that meaning's been forgotten. We need to remember not just what to do, but why we're doing it. Sometimes that we need, means we need to stop our busyness, stand still a moment, and take stock. The book of Hebrews is a, a, another one of those Bible books where we don't really know who wrote it. For a long time they attributed it to Paul. It's his 14th letter. But as one scholar said, there are no good reasons to believe he wrote it and a lot of good reasons to believe he didn't. Some think it may have been written by a fellow named Apollos. He's mentioned in the book of Acts. In the 18th chapter of Acts, Apollos was described this way. He was an eloquent man, well-versed in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with burning enthusiasm and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. Hebrews may or may not have been written by Apollos, but it, we know it was written by someone with burning enthusiasm, who knew the scripture, who knew Jesus, and we know that he wrote it to a church had it grown weary to Christians whose batteries needed recharging. So the second thing that Fitbit told us was to clean the charging contacts on your flex and refer to this article if you don't know how. Well, we don't find our instructions in some PDF online, but we do have the good book written by people inspired by God, guided by God in writing it. Yeah, some of the Bible, some of it is 
really straightforward, really clear. You know, don't murder, don't steal, and so on. So that's fairly straightforward. But a lot of it takes some study, some knowledge of the time and the customs back then when it was written, and some thoughtful reflection about how it applies to our lives today. Well, you and I have the benefit of study Bibles, of easier to understand translations, and other tools that help us apply the Bible to our lives. We also have the benefit of what we call the Confessions of the Church. Part of the Constitution of the Presbyterian Church, USA, that we're part of, is called the Book of Order. Just happen to have one with me today. It starts with God's mission and, and talking about Christ as head of the church, sets forth the great ends of the church, what you might call the church's mission statement, as well as rules for organizing various levels from churches to presbyteries to the national group called the General Assembly. But that's the second part of our Constitution. The first part of our Constitution is a thicker book called the Book of Confessions. It includes 10 documents that express what we believe from the short Apostles' Creed, which we will affirm in a little while, to the question and answer catechisms that some of us learned in childhood. For example, Wesley asked in Sunday school, what is the covenant? Well, guess what? That's one of those questions. So I knew it from childhood. A covenant is agreement between two or more persons. Catechism were a way of teaching people about the faith. And they also include that brief statement of faith, parts of which we use, for example, when we celebrate uh, the Gifts of Women Sunday and several other times during the year. Well, by the way, you can buy both parts of this, uh, the Book of Confession and the Book of Order, as physical books as I have here, 300 pages and 400 pages, or, you can buy them as Kindle books and get them around in a Kindle, or for that matter, you can access them online for free. I'll tell you the edition I prefer on the, on the Confessions is a study edition because it tells more about the history, it gives more of the scripture references, it explains more about what some of these things mean. Well, the Confessions aren't the Bible. They're not the same in spite. They're, they're written by human beings more like the rest of us. Hopefully guided, and it's done in prayer, but uh, the confessions reflect the best thinking of the church over the last 20 centuries. The third thing that Fitbit says, connect charging cable to a, a port, a power port on your computer. You can't recharge unless you have connection with a power source. So what's our power source for our faith? What's our power source for our church? Well, I believe that prayer is one power source for each of us and for the church at large. Perhaps you've seen that sign that says, seven days without prayer makes one weak. Or the other sign, too tired to, too tired to stand and try kneeling. We forget that power source, especially when things go rocking along pretty well. One power source for us to plug into and recharge is the Bible. Another is prayer, and another is that faith community we call the church. 
The fourth step, they said, was slide your tracker into the cable and so the LEDs face you. You see this little device that has lights that light up when it's charged. And if I tap it the wrong way, it'll light up and think I'm asleep. Well, the other thing they tell you is that recharging is not instantaneous. It's not immediate. It doesn't happen right away. It takes time. Our faith batteries, our church batteries, they don't get weak fast, and they don't get recharged fast either. Final thing they send me in that little email says, your battery should last five days under normal use, but battery, you know, it's kind of a, your mileage may vary depending on your driving habits kind of thing. Well, your faith recharging, our church recharging time, that's going to vary too. Depends on stress that we're going through, depends on unforeseen events, lots of things. And that's why we need to be alert to the signs that let us know when to recharge. As Berea Presbyterian Church enters our 102nd year here at the intersection of NC 210 at Berea Church Road, let us be faithful in keeping our batteries, personally our faith batteries, and our church batteries charged up and ready to go for the task that God sets before us. So listen again to the, to the start of that sermon that is the book of Hebrews. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors through many and various ways by the prophets, but in these last days has spoken to us by a son whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the worlds. He, that is Jesus Christ, is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being and sustains all things by his powerful word. So may Jesus Christ sustain our faith and this church by his powerful word. Thanks be to God. I want you to know this is a place that when your faith batteries get weak, this is a place you can come get them recharged. And when our church batteries are getting weak, we can work together and ask God to recharge them. So now may the God of peace who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, make you complete in everything good so that you may do his will, working among us that which is pleasing in God's sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. <coughs> Amen. <coughs>